Welcome, everybody, to uh, a special little production here from the Jurassic Park podcast. We're going to be talking about Monarch Legacy of Monsters. We felt like it was close enough to the Jurassic franchise, I feel like, that it deserved a little bit of coverage from us. So, my name is Brad Jost, and with me is Agent T, uh, a big part of the Jurassic fandom. Uh, Agent I, T has I, I, has I'm gone on, of today. You've gone deep into uh, the undercover scene right now, and you are Agent T. And and uh, I think you've got some fun ideas and theories and and conversation pieces as far as this show is concerned. So I'm interested to hear it. But how are you doing? You doing good? It's been a while since we caught up. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks, Brad. I have just kicked off a new job, uh, so that's quite exciting. Um, and it's meant that I work from home all the time now, so I have time to do this. I have time to watch Monarch, which is absolutely great. That's awesome. So, what do you think? Like, what, before, well, actually, let's before you do the what you think portion. Like, what was your thought kind of going into this show? Like, how excited were you as a fan of this? property as as a fan of monsters and and you know stuff like that like what what was your thoughts going in so i think i kind of really sort of tempered my expectations going into it um just because i've always felt that the monsterverse is something where i wasn't necessarily sure how it would work in an episodic format uh, because obviously the titans that you have in the universe are so large and so um, sort of grandiose in their scale that I wasn't necessarily sure that the television budget would really work for it. Um, so I was sort of cautiously optimistic about it. But in terms of the whole kind of concept of it, of it being a show that really tailored itself around Monarch... Um, I really liked that idea coming into it because obviously they're an organisation that's sort of omnipresent in the Monsterverse films. Uh, you kind of learn more about them um, in King of the Monsters. I don't think it's called King of the Monsters, although I have KOTM in my brain, so it doesn't yeah. sound right, but there no, you you're go. Right, you're right. Um, <laughs> and obviously Godzilla versus Kong. Um, you kind of learn a lot more about them, which is cool. But they sort of kind of just become this organisation that's present. Whereas in, obviously, the first Godzilla, you have a lot more mystique around this organisation and who they are. So getting the kind of context of diving deep into that was quite exciting. Purely as somebody who's always loved shows that revolve around secret organisations. It's no secret that I love Agent <laughs> Shield. Um, yeah. So getting the show about Monarch is pretty exciting. Yeah, I I'm a a big fan of the the monster verse here, and I, I wouldn't say that like I don't know a hundred percent of the details and 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 all that stuff. I, I just kind of enjoying it and really taking it in, and I I I do love that sense of connectedness that yeah like has been so surprising over the years. This is a franchise that I never expected to pan out. Like, I really yeah. didn't. Like, I, you know, I, when that first movie came out, Godzilla 2014, I was excited. I thought it was really fun. I I felt like I was alone in, like, really loving that movie because it sounded like the, the you know, the pe most people hated, like, the family dynamic and, and the portions that didn't have Godzilla. And yeah. I, I loved those portions. I loved all of it. I thought it was great. Um, and then um, Kong Skull Island, like, I... 
absolutely loved that movie. I thought it was fantastic. And it really started to weave in this monarch story even further yeah. here and just kind of like uncover details. Like, and I, I love when a, when a franchise or TV show or whatever just kind of like throws files at you and just like plasters old pictures up of like, you know, old footage of, uh, of some attack or sequence. Like it was really cool to kind of see that stuff lay out and then to get like, um, like hints and teases that these, these two universes are going to somehow connect a story yeah. from 2014 and a story from whatever, 19, whatever the seventies, I think it was like the seventies or something. Yeah. Right. And Godzilla versus Kong. So it's like, you're like, what is, how is this stuff going to work? And then we get King of the monsters and that movie just, absolutely blew me away i i saw it a few times in theaters and i just i i couldn't get enough of it and uh, it's still my favorite one of all of these and the way that it expanded that universe and made monarch this crazy huge thing was like really cool and then it takes it even further in godzilla versus kong and uh, and that movie was a little silly at times, but I still really dig it, and I love the the, the tone that it brings. But and we're at this show now, and and you mentioned like uh, you were unsure of like bringing a quality series like this to television. Yeah. It's it's been weird because you mentioned Agents of Shield, and while I like Agents of Shield, I do think like the lore and everything that they tried to do and, and having a lesser, obviously a lesser budget than the films. It like yeah. it hindered that show and it, it couldn't be what, and we've, we've been finding out more even, even still like now that like they, they didn't really can, they really didn't try to connect those universes at all. And they didn't even want them to exist to a point. And like, so it's interesting to kind of see how that, panned out and then now how like mandalorian looks on on disney plus like that show looks so good and and at times uh, i think it looks well no that that one looks excellent i think like other star wars shows or marvel shows don't always look excellent but we're seeing that you can make these monster movies and and tv shows um like weekly and it's been really really cool to see and as jurassic fans we've been wondering and hoping you know for years now, I mean, I would say specifically since 2015 when we realized, hey, we're getting this restart of the whole thing. We're, we're kind of kicking it yeah. back in, and we're going to be able to, you know, get content like this. We've been just dying and begging for content <laughs> like this. And it kind of seemed like – I, I feel like most of the conversation for the Jurassic franchise was like, uh, well, we'll never, we'll never get it because they can't really – they can't do that kind of story yeah. in TV. And oh, then uh, – yeah, and here we are with Monarch, and you've got monsters even bigger than dinosaurs. And same with with uh, uh, the Mandalorian. It's like things are even bigger, and and Ahsoka's even bigger and crazier. And it's like, yeah. and and we can do this. It's possible. And Monarch is showing us that it can look like flawless. It can look exactly like the movies, um, and feel real and tangible. Not like it was filmed on, like some you know, uh, the curved screen or something, you know, like a round room kind of uh scenario. Like it looks, it, it is, it is real. It is in like real location settings and it feels tangible. Um, so going into this, I was just like, I can't wait to see what happens. I hope it, I hope it's good. I hope it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I and think I think it has it's been interesting that you draw the parallel with Jurassic. So I made a, a, a tweet about this and they kind of got misconstrued a little bit, but I think that this 
show has done exactly what Jurassic could have and probably should have done, which is it's taken these big sort of world impacting uh, animals and then shown the really tangible on the ground impact that they have. So obviously we'll talk about specifics a little bit later on, but you get kind of the Godzilla shelters that are now set up in locations near the coast. You get the actual trauma of just being caught up in an incident like that, and you really get to explore that. And that that kind of, in a, a nutshell, is what I've wanted from Jurassic. You know, there is that, that space of time between Fallen Kingdom and Dominion, like we always talk about, but equally after Dominion as well, where they really could do something like that. So it's interesting to see that the MonsterVerse has essentially done a show in that format before Jurassic has done it. And actually it's really stuck the landing when arguably Jurassic would have been able to do this even more easier because you don't have to... um, I can't remember what the phrase is, but essentially um, stop your disbelief to believe Jurassic because the animals are a little bit more grounded than Titans. So I feel like they would have arguably had an easier sell doing a show like this, and yet Legendary have gone ahead, they've done this show, and they've actually done a really, really good job with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think the tone is really really cool i'm definitely into this like sci-fi spy thriller kind of story yeah i mean that's that's you know what what drew us into jurassic at the start was the the novel which is a basically a, a sci-fi spy thriller kind of story and i love that that aspect where you're you're uncovering things and it's mysterious but not in a way where they're hiding things from you and yeah. i I, I've come to not really appreciate as much that, like, I don't know, J.J. Abrams mystery box kind of storytelling more recently. I feel like I'm just like, just can we not be so vague about absolutely everything? So I love <laughs> that they're, I love that they're, 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 they're uncovering a mystery and, and a story as we go, but it's not like holding back information. And I really appreciate that for it. And I think like, you know, you mentioned the bomb sh- or the shelters and stuff like that. I-, I love that this show is giving us real like world building in, yeah. in ways that is just like it's so cool to see like Godzilla signs, you know, scattered yeah. around Tokyo and like rocket systems and emergency bunkers. There's people that have conspiracies and podcasts. Um, <laughs> it's It's really cool to see the world building and just see how like it adds mystery to this time period and um but like in a way that's like intriguing and it's like wow like people really went to task after 2014 within yeah. a year like we've added in so much world building that like this feels real and i i really dig it and i do think like one thing that kind of um like i, I cuz i don't really watch trailers all that much um and i try not to really look into the show so i kind of just like saw it from afar and i was like really surprised when i i figured out that like the setting is just all over the place you've got like yeah. like and 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 even more specifically i was just i'm shocked that it's not set in the current timeline like it's not set yeah. in 2023 like or something like that i thought that was that was wild i don't know i forget when godzilla versus kong was set like what year but like um 
I just I'm I'm floored that like they were bold enough to choose a timeline that is not set within the thing that they're creating now. And yeah. <laughs> speaking as a Jurassic fan, it's like we we always have to be within a certain time frame in you know in order to create something. So it's always frustrating that like we can never stray away from a certain time period in in our franchise you know discussions. Um, but here we are like bridging these gaps between the 40s the 50s you know yeah. and then 2014 and 2015 and, and it's like it's wild that we're stretching all of these gaps and hitting so many different time periods and i think that's really cool and the way that they they unveil things in like out of order and and like kind of allude to something and then show you how it was done it, it's really cool yeah. that they're they're doing it that way and i think that's that's awesome i i i love like the mystery of the show and and the fact that it doesn't need to be wall to wall monsters the whole time. It can be a story about a family. It can be a story about like a single dude that like is spanning time periods and like also just like a, a few monster parts here and there. And that's like compelling enough for me like to keep me interested. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's interesting story and interesting characters are kind of what drive forward any story. Um, mm. And I think this has got both because obviously we know a fair bit about monarchs and we know that Randa's expedition to Skull Island was really his last attempt to get people to kind of take their work seriously. Um, and obviously a lot of what we're seeing here is really playing before that even happened. So it's really interesting seeing kind of the different things that he tried before that point. Um, and I, I won't touch on specifics because, again, we'll get into it as we talk about each episode. But I think it's really cool that they are choosing to play in that space sort of before King of the Monsters where mm. there really is that scope to kind of show us, okay, how did Monarch get to this level? Because <laughs> don't forget, in King of the Monsters, you suddenly have this organisation that's literally got the USS Argo and it's yeah. got Castle castle bravo so it's got this massive underground facility in the ocean it's got this huge futuristic jet and all of yeah. these other things <laughs> so kind of seeing how they're getting up to that point is really interesting yeah um and the thing i think that's been particularly cool is how they're kind of building out all of the different layers of Monarch and the kind of bureaucracy in this organisation, because I find that really fascinating, because obviously in the films you saw Dr. Serizawa, um, and I always forget her name, but the lady who died in King of the Monsters as well, and they were kind of the two, I think it's Dr. Grant or something similar, it's not Grant, that's Jurassic Park, um, <laughs> but <laughs> those those two scientists are kind of really your understanding of Monarch through the films up until both of them die, and then the Monarch characters change. But you always see the sort of science arm and monarch in the film. So it's really interesting seeing everything else that's going on with this organisation and how many different layers there are to it and where there's potentially shady people working, where there's other characters. I just think it's it's got all of the sort of perfect elements of, like you say, a spy thriller, but then you're throwing monsters into the mix as well. And that's just such an awesome concept. Yeah. You know, um, we should we should start diving into the episodes here. Um, and I I want to start off by saying, like, I didn't I didn't rewatch anything before we started this yeah. show. Like, and I I I should have. I, I feel like I should have like really gone back and and rewatched the whole thing. 
because and and like I said, like I, I kind of went into this blind. So like seeing like the opening of of episode one back on Skull Island and w- with William Randa, I'm like, wait, what is going on? Yeah. I'm like, wait, wait, what, what is what, what? I don't remember this sequence. This, this, never, <laughs> like, what is happening? I was blindsided by that. I thought that was really cool. And then, and then skipping ahead to 2015, and then, honestly, like by the time my, because I watched the first two episodes twice, and yeah. things didn't even dawn on me when I watched them for the first time. I kind of watched it. I don't know. I felt like a lot of people that. um going into uh, the Ahsoka series, like had said like, Oh, I can't really, I can't get into that because like, I'm not caught up. I don't know all the characters yeah. and the legacy of it all. And like, I, I kind of felt that because when I started this show, I was like, Oh my God, I didn't even realize that's who this was. <laughs> and that's what was happening here. And like, so like when we, when we go back to, uh, I forget what the time period was, but like the fifties or something. And yeah. And we get like this guy that like has a camera, a camera in the jungle, and he like you know actually that was that in that might have been the second episode. I don't know which one, but you know I'm like, who's this guy? This is this is a fun guy to to follow. I did not even realize that he was he was the same guy from the beginning. Uh, like, and I'm like, I didn't know that was Bill Randa. I'm like, what is going on? I so my mind was blown as this story is unveiling itself to me, like. I thought this is very cool, like that we're getting uh, hints and teases of things that I didn't even realize was about to happen. Like, and I'm not even catching them until the second time around. I think that's like really cool, and it actually keeps me invested, even though I I wasn't aware of these these ties and things. And yeah. I think like as I watched them the second time, I was like, whoa, I'm getting like. I, I'm uncovering things that I didn't even know were tied like to to the films where like I just thought this was a thing that we were just talking about and then all of a sudden no this is this is a <laughs> ship that was you know seen in a yeah. in a, a, a whatever like a picture like so there was a lot going on in in these yeah. episodes but um so we do get um a story that instantly hooks me in episode one between Kate and Gentaro like the fact that uh you know kate's dad dies and she goes to like kind of uh i don't know collect his things or kind of take care of his affairs and then realizes there's a complete new family that she had no idea yeah. about that's like related to her now and i thought like that was pretty bold to yeah. do this storyline after the reaction to 2014's godzilla you know where people didn't really care for the family dynamic of that story and 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 I would say the same thing uh, has been critiqued across like uh, King of the Monsters and and Godzilla versus Kong. Like people aren't really attached to the people of these stories, but want to see the monster you know, craziness. So I thought that was pretty bold of them to be like, "Yo, yo, this is going to be a story about like a dad who who is cheating on his one wife with another wife and has a family." And, and so that was pretty wild to me that like we're going in that direction. Did that? Yeah. Did that like bring up any thoughts for you, like as far as the family dynamics concerned? Yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting. I think it's it's kind of fascinating in the sense because 
thinking about the kind of situation that their dad's going to be in, he is essentially going to be living two separate lives. So you can almost see how he has two separate families. Because if he's spending a lot of time in Tokyo for any reason, then you can kind of understand why he might want that companionship there if he can't go home for extended periods of time. So I think it paints a really fascinating dynamic about the way that Monarch potentially impacts on his life to that extreme but I think equally the the thing that I find most interesting is bear in mind we're up to episode three at this point and we still don't know for sure that he does work for Monarch they know of him but we don't know that he does work for them. We also know that in Godzilla vs. Kong, it's Apex Sciences who have got their facility in Tokyo where they build Mecha Godzilla. So I'm really, it's either Tokyo, it might be Hong Kong, but either way, they're in the same geography. So they're in a similar area working on similar technology. So I'm really curious as to just what, what that whole dynamic is, because he must be away for an extended period of time to have that separate family. Yeah. I, either that or he just, you know, he's not a very nice man. Um, but I don't get that vibe. <laughs> well, yeah, so we... he must be... <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what kind of vibes I get from him because we do see him. Um, I think it was, I, th- I think it was in episode one, I forget, but there was uh, that sequence where, you know, he finds Kate at the um, shelter and is like, like here, you got to take this money and like, and these tickets or whatever, and like, just get out of here. Go to Reno, and and she's like, what? Like, take care of your mother. Like he's like, I gotta go. Like so he's like, just leaving them stranded, and it's like outside. I think there was a line somewhere in one of these episodes where like, even outside of what have, has occurred, she really has these like strong feelings for what he's done to her family, even outside of lying to them this whole time so i think there's some there's interesting story there and i think like she has a ton of trauma like already from being at ground zero of this attack and like seeing godzilla right next to her and like that was really traumatic there is a very horrifying backstory for her of like losing an entire busload of kids like I, that that was just how brutal that was and they actually just show that like, i they show know into the the mist and never being seen again i was yeah that that was not that was not like they they were concrete like it was not like oh i wonder if those kids will come back with the bus at some other point in the season but no they just straight up like threw them off the cliff there or off the bridge and it's wild so seeing seeing this backstory for her dad and her family's lineage it really makes me wonder like how 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 she's gonna react to the family lineage and like she seems to want like no part of this and 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 really not yeah. want to um like take on that lineage i think and we we learn that more as we go along in these episodes but it makes me wonder like what will she do with this information um yeah so there's also um uh a sequence that i i think is in the is it in the Philippines? Is this the episode where they, they find the Mudo? Like, uh, no, no, no. This is yeah. in Kazakhstan or something like that, right? Um, yeah. And Yikes. they 
and they find this like nest uh under yeah. like a nuclear facility of some sort and i got like such godzilla 98 vibes from from that yeah. moment because it's like all of these eggs just like scattered everywhere and it and it was it was pretty creepy like so i loved seeing uh not only just this family aspect of the story but then you dive into well the early aspect of this family i guess and and the 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 things that they uncover and and the wild stuff that they're seeing so i yeah. love this back and forth and then and then like i don't know it was really cool to see them traversing into this place blowing up that hole in the ground and uh going into the ground there that was pretty pretty terrifying because at that point uh keiko falls into this nest yeah and that that was pretty rough to see <laughs> yeah I can't I can't remember. Do we see her get out or no. I don't think we do. So so this but was I interesting. Think that's when she dies. You think that's when she dies? Yeah, because you already know that she died when Randa was young because that was a throwaway line in one of the episodes, wasn't it? So it was, I would it was come back to Yeah, this. it was in episode one and it was like just before she falls. Um yeah. uh Kentaro said Oh, because they've looked at a picture of her, I think, and yeah. and um, she uh, he said like uh, she died when he was little, speaking about like his father, like so she yeah. died when her their father was little, their father's okay, not yeah. born. She's still alive. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, still she, alive. She's still alive. <laughs> and I didn't I didn't catch that on the first I didn't catch that on the first glimpse. So like watching it the second time, I was like, oh wait, like I thought, oh she's dead right here, like that's yeah. wild, kill her off right now um but even if they did kill her off right then and there we can still obviously get multiple scenes with her just you know from different time periods because that yeah. story was super out of order as far as like what we're seeing um cuz that was kind of later in the in the game but um like that was that was a a crazy moment and a really terrifying moment when they they start to you know and, and that always happens in these movies once one of them starts to to uh, crack the egg they all start to crack the egg and and they all attack and that was that was a really terrifying moment just seeing her and then seeing them like try to pull her up and and they're shooting at these little uh mudos and like and then she just falls into the abyss just surrounded by them and that was horrifying yeah. and it makes me wonder how does she come out of this alive <laughs> godzilla it's gotta be right <laughs> Uh, who knows? I I do I did wonder like is there is there something bigger that will scare them away because they're just like, smaller yeah. ones or something? Is will the the mother come out somewhere and and like you know they all are, are are very hungry at this point because they were literally just born so maybe they go somewhere else but like I, I can't wait to see what happens with that part of the story. Yeah, it's going to be interesting seeing when they come back to it. I think it's cool as well, just more broadly, that we get in this kind of context of actually there are these other creatures around, because you kind of get, um, obviously in Godzilla 2014, the monarch facility that's set up around the Muto, and you get the feeling that they've done this before because of how well established that complex is, especially with the... Um, like electric perimeter that they've put on it. So it's interesting how you can kind of get a sense of where their first encounters with creatures were and perhaps how long they've been tracking them because potentially that trip happened 
after the events of episode three. So once they've got a lot more support in terms of Monarch resource. So just that to think about is quite fascinating in terms of actually how this story um, is being told in such an interesting way that it makes you really question how this organization has grown over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and we'll definitely touch on that a little bit more, I think for the third episode, but uh, because I do have some thoughts on that too. Um, but you know, this, this organization starts from just these like three people, right? So I think that was cool, really cool to see this younger version of Bill Randa, um, which I, again, I was just like, this is a nice strapping young man. He's romantic. Like he's, he seems like a really nice guy, not even thinking he's dressed exactly the same as he is like in like Kong Skull Island. So it didn't even dawn on me that it was the same individual so i thought that was pretty funny um and then this character of lee shaw like it's a trope i think at this point for this kind this series specifically like you know we got to have this military guy do some protect protection work you know uh, you know he's following in the footsteps of aaron taylor johnson who was a military guy who had to do had to protect this bomb across you know the country or whatever, um, and then Tom Hiddleston before that basically doing like the same thing, <laughs> so it's a very uh, traditional role I think for this franchise and I'm I'm interested to see what they do with it and I think I just think it was absolutely brilliant casting you know getting Wyatt Russell and then Kurt like Russell oh, it's like unreal and there's a there's a, a shot in I think episode three that I'm like whoa. That this is a yeah. reason, like this is so good that they did it this way. So quickly, doesn't it? Between the two of them, as it flashes yeah. back in, and you're like, "What? I've literally just watched that man the age in real time." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty pretty cool. And then uh, Keiko is is awesome as well. Like, I love like, um, you know how adventurous this character is and how how like she just wants to get to the truth of this and is also compassionate for these creatures too yeah i think that's really cool and interesting um so yeah i love the the start of this organization and and i think that's pretty crazy that like we're seeing the beginnings of all this and uh yeah just completely unexpected i just didn't expect to see this this kind of story i think unfold it kind of puts it all into context, doesn't it? Because when you think about when you first meet Monarch in Godzilla, they are pretty fully established and already up and running. So it's quite interesting then peeling back how they got to that point. Well, and I think it's it's funny to see that, like, we we see that first establishment at the same kind of facility. We see, like, this yeah. nuclear facility, like, they kind of walk into it in, in Kazakhstan or whatever, and... and, and you know they're feeding off the radiation, and then the same thing is is what is happening in uh in Godzilla twenty fourteen right with the Mudos yeah. in that facility like, and and it, it, there was even a sequence where like, uh, I think even in the twenty fourteen movie that like you know they're they're lying to the the surrounding villages and towns and stuff that yeah. this is what happened when it in fact wasn't this like uh nuclear like fallout kind yeah. of situation and and that was what happened in in uh in this episode too there was like a little kid that was like yo this is fake like they're lying to us like that's not really what's happening and and they didn't believe them but they took their masks off anyway at first and they're like oh okay we're fine <laughs> so yeah. it's pretty interesting that we're getting parallel stories like that for the start and and where we uh first picked up with them in 2014 yeah 
But yeah, that brings us to uh, episode two. So that was pretty much most part. Uh, do you yeah. have anything else to wrap up? Anything from that episode? I, I am ready to talk about episode two and you'll be impressed because I've memorized the name of the ship. Oh, did you? Uh, I, this is yeah. this is your kind of deal, man. I, I, I love <laughs> that this is this is what you focus on. So yeah and i i've 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 looked into the ship a bunch but we'll we'll get there i yeah. i love that we're kicking it off with um like another time period here and and this is basically it, like again i was like whoa we're going back even farther like we're going back <laughs> to like literally the moment that these people meet like that is cool like we're i just love the constant travel through time in this story and yeah. That is that is so cool. And then as I was watching this episode, I, like it just like it hit me the fact that we are and I mentioned it before, like in these real locations. We're like driving across across Hawaii, like filming some sequences that are in set in the Philippines. And I'm like, man, like this just this is great. This feels consistent. It feels real. Uh, it feels big. I thought that was really cool. Um, and then see, like I said, seeing these characters meet like um Shaw and Keiko like meeting on that dock like that just felt it was like a real dock it felt legit it felt good and it was very stereotypical like kind of meet and greet um from the military guy and the female scientist but like um and then seeing uh Bill just pop out of the forest like was pretty funny too so uh I love the the meetup of these three characters yeah, I think there's an, an an element of really interesting social commentary as well that shows how far we've come in terms of equality and especially women's rights. Mm -hmm. um, because obviously you have Shaw who literally does not believe that Keiko is the doctor until she outlines it pretty bluntly for him. And then you get reference to that again in episode three with another character. Um, so I, I think it's always cool when shows don't shy away from the fact that things never used to be great to be honest with you and actually they kind of take the time to show that and highlight that and highlight how culture has shifted and changed over time um so i did pick up on that and i thought it was cool that they made the effort to include that um and yeah it sort of it gave me flashbacks in a way to brie larson's introduction actually in Kongskull mm -hmm. island yeah. first getting on the show <laughs> which was quite cool yeah i i got the same vibes there as well um, we also jump ahead back to 2015 and, and Kentaro's like, oh, I got to go to work today, blah, blah, blah. Like all this yeah. crazy stuff just happened to me. But no, I'm going to turn around and destroy my dad's office. And like, I, I felt that I'm like, he's just been lied to his whole life. And he's like, I can't take this anymore. Like I thought I could handle it. And he just destroys everything. But he, he ends up find, finding like piece, uh, a piece of the puzzle and like kind of unlocking something that like makes him be like, oh, maybe I should look further into this. And I, I like that we get a little glimpse of like Lee Shaw's in retirement and, yeah. and stuff like that. Like the, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So like it's it's little things like that that are like, you know, making this universe exciting to kind of, like uncover and not be like what is the mystery like this is a a dumb mystery that i can't like i can't uncover it's just it's it's laying the pieces for you nicely i think yeah i think so and i, I think you know the the whole sequence in tokyo later as well when um you get the analyst from monarch who tim? becomes aware that they've yes tim uh when he becomes aware that they've got these files i love how you get this sense of um him just trying to deal with it on the down low initially 
and then obviously that going wrong and spiraling because that's really exciting <laughs> okay what what does it spiraling look like because we know that these people are a shady government organization we know that they've got access to lots of resources so actually where is this going to go now i think that was really cool well i thought that was interesting that like uh, the vibes i was getting from tim you know he he does outright say like look like you're not in trouble like you're not in trouble yet or whatever right. and and I just, I like legitimately just want to talk to you and, and I need to find this, these tapes or whatever he was looking for. Like I, I, I did get the sense that he was harmless and, and what could be more yeah. harmless than a Tim? Like I thought he was, he was being <laughs> legit. I thought he was being honest. Um, and it felt like he was uncovering things that he didn't even realize he was getting himself into. Like they, yeah. they went into, uh, which I thought was kind of like, convenient the way that like he's just miraculously bumping into her like what you know and and then like also just i know they were like tracking the signal but like the last we heard like they're like where's the signal and he's like or this this girl's like um oh somewhere in tokyo yeah <laughs> and 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 that led him to bump into her at this train station and then like to go to the house where they uh you know, the, several places they went to the um, to May's house, and then they went to Kentaro's house, and like I thought it was interesting. They really figured it out quick, but I also just felt like they didn't know what they were getting themselves into because when he was in Kentaro's house, he's like, "Oh my god! Like this is this is this this is Rana's yeah. house! Like what is going on here? Like I, I you know, yeah. he, I didn't feel like super threatened." Um, by this character i know that, that he had his sidekick who was a little more threatening but like i did feel like kind of safe with this character as if like the the monarch is not like this evil organization he just really wants yeah. this this document and then we do find that out later oh. that like that like there even even whoever that above him was like you're doing all this for some some old outdated information like who cares so thought it was interesting. It's, or, or it what? Is, what are you saying? I was going to say, your monarch isn't this evil organization. My thoughts on that are, or is it that Tim isn't bad, but that doesn't mean that yeah. the whole no, organization I, is okay? Yeah, no. Obviously, like it could be a good organization, but it's got like flaws along the way and stuff like that, or it could yeah. be an evil organization that has good people along the way. Like, yeah, either way, like I, I, um, I do think that he was like a safe choice and I think he's somebody that like could eventually like be part of whatever team that they're basically assembling here. I think that's pretty interesting, yeah. but, um, but yeah. And I, I, uh, I think we jump to like, or back, back in time again. And we get this, uh, story at this boat that you've memorized. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. Like I, I see this ship in the middle of nowhere, and they're like, "Whoa, yeah. how did that get there?" And I and freaked I that... out so much. Like straight away, I was like, "That's going to be the ship that Randa was on." Um, and when that they said so the name, cool. I was like, "Oh my god, it was! It is the ship that he's on." Um, and and it's it's such a a cool way of tying it to the legacy because obviously he says in Kongskull Island that the whole reason he started this was because of his experience with the Loughton. So to see it actually on screen and see what had happened to it and the creature that had 
attacked it. I mean, presumably the creature that we see with it isn't the thing that managed to get it onto the island. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. assume that with Godzilla. Um, but it's just, it's so cool getting this like call back to this moment in time. And just, I think seeing this massive ship stranded in the middle of this valley really kind of emphasizes how strong these creatures are as well. Like, just, <laughs> like trying yeah. to think about something being able to move something that big and heavy that far inland is crazy yeah i know it it, uh it was very like a stark image to see like this this massive ship just in the middle of this valley like that was really cool and i think i don't don't quote me on this but i feel like i read somewhere that like jordan vote roberts like said that you know we didn't exactly intend for it to to necessarily be godzilla that destroyed this ship but just kind of say like there are other things out there that could take the ship down and yeah it it had like if you look at the image i think it was in godzilla versus or no uh in um kong skull island i think it was in that movie there was like a picture of it and it is like far more torn apart than it is in this show so it's like kind of retcon slightly but um but just getting that that uh connection was super cool and like I, I thought that was awesome just to see that and then yeah to see him like get emotional over like his stuff is still in this ship like that was really cool like great connection yeah it's it's such a cool way of feeding into the idea that actually you know the whole thing with the monsterverse is that these creatures have been on the planet a lot longer than us and i think for us as viewers if you see something that's from a historic era like world war ii for example it really helps to kind of ground it in the fact that okay these creatures have been around for a while and actually people were dealing with them back then and what i really love in this sequence as well actually is when they showed the radio Uh, graphical readouts and the aurora in the sky and they're asking oh how has nobody else noticed this how is it just this um sort of like folklore story with the tribes in this area of the philippines and i think that's a really fascinating piece of social commentary as well because actually it reflects the fact that you know things like this could have been very well going on in our world for hundreds of years and the only reason we're discovering stuff now is because technology has advanced so far that actually there is that interconnectivity that communication between different people you know satellites all of these kinds of things at the time that this is set there wasn't any of that technology so that means that monarch and any other organizations who are attempting to investigate these things are going to have so much more of a challenge on their hands and i really i really like that concept of sort of seeing how our response to monsters has evolved as technology has evolved with us well yeah and it's like it's it's interesting that like so much of that information seemed to be just in this bag that was floating in the ocean, yeah. you know, like it's just written documents that were in on like tape or whatever. Like that was that, you know, it could have all been lost right then and there. But, uh, you know, somehow they, they picked up after that. And I'm, I'm interested to see that gap, too, you know, from yeah, from that point in time to, you know, 2014 even. Um but yeah, we do get uh we do finally get to meet uh Lee Shaw in the in the current yeah. timeline in 2015 and Kurt Russell comes into the show and really I just he just adds so much weight to whatever he joins. Like he, you know, he's in Fast and Furious franchise and he like 
he just adds like something to to these franchises and it's really cool to see like i love i love how he's introduced to this show and like he's like oh yeah great to see you guys like, nice I, I loved hanging out with that was really cool and he's like guys shut up be quiet yeah we need to get <laughs> like I, I thought that was really cool like the way that he, you know there's obviously something going on at this facility it's not just some nice retirement community he's being held yeah. hostage here basically and like um i thought that was pretty cool and also like kind of silly that like it took him this long to just be like i'm just gonna cut it now and we're gonna go now uh yeah he does seem he I don't know. Like, I, I want to know the story. Like, I hope there's a little bit of backstory as far as, like, why why did he just settle with staying in this facility when he just so quickly, as soon as these people showed up, just chose to to leave and to, yeah. to get out of that fairly easy or whatever. So, um, but, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting seeing him. And, like I said before, that casting choice, like, just a brilliant casting choice. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know, like... I think I heard it say somewhere that like, yeah, they could have done the obvious like played a father and son type of role in some movie or something, but like to play the same person is like really cool. I, I thought that was it, awesome. Yeah. I, I'm really curious to see actually what happens that makes him end up in this place in the first place. Cause mm -hmm. they phrase it as if it's a care home, but there's a line that he says that's a throwaway line about it being like a space for Monarch to retire assets or something. Mm. And I'm really curious as to what Monarch have on him that means that even when he's done, they still want to keep an eye on him. Like, he must have done something at some point, because actually, if you have somebody with this level of experience who's still quite physically capable, why was he not deployed with Serizara and others in the events in San Francisco? You know, yeah. there's there's a reason why Monarch is monitoring Shaw, and there's a reason why they don't trust him. And I'm really, really fascinated by what has happened there. Yeah, and I know they make like a joke in in episode three, like what are you like ninety or something? Like so, yeah. you know. And he's like, yeah, I got good genes or whatever. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you you do, but like you're not ninety. Like let's be honest, like you had more to offer. Uh, I feel like so I don't think like they just like retired him due to old age, and this is just a facility for old aged uh, <laughs> monarch, uh, you know, individuals. But but yeah, I I'm Tom interested to find out. Around somewhere in the facility, <laughs> yeah, he could be, and he'd be a little younger too. So, uh, yeah, but I, I, um, I, I thought that was cool. But anyway, we get back to the ship, and this, like, yes, we've gotten a few little shots of Godzilla, um, and you know, nothing, nothing too crazy. It just, you know, they're just reusing probably the assets that they have for the films because it just, you know. It's already it's already made. It's not like a new design or anything. So they're probably just reusing the film assets, I would assume, and just showing like cool different, you know, angles and different things on these attacks. Yeah. And that's really cool. It looked fantastic. It looked brilliant. But then we we start to dive into like uh outside of those little baby things, those baby mudos that we saw, we start to get like our first real like new creature that is like gonna attack here and we get this attack on the Lawton and what I thought was very cool about this is this show is doing it so smart 
and it's very much a Jurassic kind of trope kind of thing where like, yeah. you know, you don't really, and it's like a Jaws kind of thing. You don't show the monster fully and it's just, you're getting these little glimpses. And I thought that was such a brilliant way. It starts with like yeah. some gross, like ooze dripping down and then you're getting like claws smashing things and, yeah. and the, the whole of the ship is just boom, just barreling in and then claws are breaking through and i thought that was really cool um and in a great way to show an attack without really having to show the monster fully um and lee returns obviously expected we knew he would like come back like there was no chance he was leaving yeah. that situation and then i i do think the monster reveal at the end was just like so flawless that was like yeah. so cool Where he's like on top of it it's awesome oh so cool and he's like it is a dragon <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. this is a dragon what are we doing like i did not expect to see this uh, so he's just like <laughs> what is happening what is going on um so i thought that was a great way to show it it kind of dives towards them and perches on the boat like uh, that was just such a great sequence and the way that this show cuts off its episodes is like killing <laughs> me dude like it's killing me that first episode i think it cuts off when she falls into that that pit and then this episode like cuts off with the dragon like its wings are spread and it's just roaring and it's like oh my god like what is gonna happen here and and episode three we'll talk about that in a little bit as well like that cuts off also in a way three is it cuts off at a perfectly normal point and finishes Perfectly, the entire yeah perfectly normal um so anything to wrap up episode two before we uh move on i think they were really smart releasing episode one and two together because obviously episode one you don't really get your big titan moment and you don't get it until the end of episode two so it kind of feels like by having them released together you're sort of building up to that moment the whole time which was really awesome um and i just i like the stakes i like how once you factored him and his companion into the story, you start to feel a lot more tense because you have obviously the kids looking for the answer, Lee potentially having his own motivations to be doing what he's doing to help them. Obviously the different creatures appearing at the different locations they go to. So I think it kind of, it's all ramping up quite nicely. And I like the idea of, how at this point in the story now you have these different factions who you're not sure if you can trust all involved in kind of unraveling whatever it is that we're ultimately going to get to. And I do have a theory on what we're going to get to Brad, which we will talk about after we talk about episode okay. three. All right. So episode three, uh, debuted a little early, I think, due to Thanksgiving. And I know you celebrate Thanksgiving too over there, right? Yeah, like you guys, yeah. big, big fans. I'm, I'm like... thankful you're doing a podcast with one of my best friends right now. <laughs> Even though it's not a podcast, it's a piece of YouTube content. So I've completely mucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm giving thanks to you for joining me. Um, so we we uh, we kicked this episode off, and I feel like this episode. Um, more than the others just goes at like breakneck speed and like it, you know I felt like every time we swapped time periods in the last two episodes it was like a very like like peaceful kind of transition we get like a change in the time period the, the clock or the, the, the time period like changes on the screen we get to see all that happening playing out in like slow motion and then like 
this episode's like, no, we're just jumping all over the place. We're going left and right yeah. and back and forth. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's happening? But we start off back at that retirement place or whatever, and, and they they get their escape there. So nothing nothing too crazy happens in the first few minutes of the show. But we, we get um, a nice minivan escape. Like, <laughs> they get out of there. Um, we also go back to the past, and we're we're – we're showing the military. We're starting to introduce yeah. monarch as like a legitimate thing, um, and I, I thought it was interesting. Like this is how we're going to introduce this to the military. We're going to show this massive footprint, and like you know, we want to lure out what what comes with that footprint. And yeah. hey, we need some we need some uranium. Like we got to just lure this beast out. Like what can we do? And can we get it? And they're like, okay. Yeah, sure, why not? Um, but I thought it was, you know, it's opening the floodgates, right? Like this, that's what they're doing is yeah. is they want to make themselves a little bit more legit of an organization. They don't really want to tell other people, but like this is kind of what they have to do. And it's probably gonna backfire on them. <laughs> yeah. I I think it's honestly just just jumping straight into it and jumping straight into how the military ultimately plays into this is with the castle bravo nuclear test and i think it's so awesome that the show actually shows this because obviously we got um some of the photos from it i think in the mm -hmm. post credit scenes from one of the films um and then we get sort of a little bit of explanation about why monarch built the castle bravo facility and that was because it was where they first encountered godzilla so that's why it's there in the specific in uh, king of the monsters but to then actually see that initial test and get it play out I know that there's so many more variables even back then about not understanding the monsters and being worried that actually nuking them is going to kill them. It's such a cool thing because it sort of sets in motion the fact that for many, many years, Monarch understands so little about these creatures. Um, because obviously in Godzilla in 2014, they only realise in that film that the Mutos are feeding off of the radiation and it seems like something that they weren't aware of before. So although they know there's this correlation with radioactivity and the creatures, it's really fascinating seeing how they don't have this understanding of the effect that it has on them and that's something that slowly builds over time. Um, well, it, it's like, is that is that like um, a retcon issue or is that like an issue of like, well, we brought the military in, Monarch changed what it initially was, and we lost a lot of valuable information over the years because of, yeah. you know, we started to take it in a different direction than it was initially. Intended. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. don't think it's a retcon issue at all. I think it is a case of actually, you know, the military get involved, and then that begins to change what Monarch is. Mm -hmm. And I reckon, so bear in mind, Kong Skull Island is, what, 70s or 80s, we think. Probably 70s, 70s, I think. Yeah. Um, so we're in the 40s right now with Castle Bravo. So there's at least... Wasn't, it, wasn't that the 50s? I thought it said it was like 54 or something like that. I wasn't think it? if it's... I don't remember. So Castle Bravo would have historically been the atomic bomb test. Um, so it will be right at the end of World War II. Um, so if that's where we are, then that means there's, what, potentially 15 years up to the events of Kongskow Island. So I wouldn't be surprised if across some of this series, we see Monarch in that period of time maybe getting more and more control from the military, and then subsequently 
the scientists distancing themselves from it and Monarch potentially falling apart as it is in the past. Because you have to remember that in um, Kongsko Island, that military detachment that Colonel Packard commands, that's not a Monarch attachment. Randa has had to go to his friend in Congress to really convince him to get some military firepower behind his mission. So there's going to be something that has to happen between where we are in this episode and where we get to in Kongsko Island to explain that disparity. And that's what I find really interesting because already you can see the trajectory in terms of what the scientists think about the monsters and the trajectory in terms of what the general thinks about them are very, very different. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and ultimately what happens with Shaw as a part of that, I think, because there's got to be a reason why Shaw isn't in Kongsko Island as well, right? So there's a lot of interesting stuff that I think they can do. Mm. Yeah, that that is a interesting point. Why why would he not be in that movie too? Yeah, I because uh, I'm getting the feeling that like yeah that th- there there's separate paths going on, right? Like it's it's the military's taking over, but like they kind of want to do their own thing, and then. You know, in Kong Skull Island, we kind of feel like it's like its own thing because he isn't. He even has to like yeah. get like a ton of permission to even do what he wanted to do in that movie. Um, but yeah, I I wonder I wonder what's gonna happen there and who's gonna go their separate ways at one point. Um, but yeah, it's it was it was obvious right off the bat like the military is like we're gonna take this in our own direction. We're gonna we're gonna yeah. just blow this thing the smithereens like right off the bat that's what we do like that's that's the thing we're not going to test it we're not going to we're just going to get rid of it right off the bat so i thought that was interesting to see them do that um and oh man like the visuals in in all of these sequences like seeing these beach fronts and and all that and even just seeing like the military just sitting in their like lounge chairs <laughs> in front of this bomb i was like you this the the arrogance of of the yeah. the u.s military at this point like it's just unreal outright <laughs> yeah it's just like so wild to see this but you know um but yeah, so uh, going back to the future, back to the future, but to the present, um, <laughs> they uh, they go to South Korea. They escape the border patrol. There's a lot of just little stuff happening here. Nothing too crazy. They got a friend who helps them escape and get an airplane and and uh, start to track down these uh, coordinates, I guess, that uh, their dad would have gone to somewhere out in that direction. Um but we go back in time again to the past and we we do get to see that that sequence play out with the bomb and Godzilla and like there there's like you were saying before there there's like previously was like photographs and stuff like that of this kind of uh what played out here and just to see it play out in real time with Godzilla's like fins like coming through the spikes coming through the water and just coming out of the water there were so many cool shots in this sequence there was one one shot of like the camera just following Godzilla's back up through the spikes. Like that was just so cool. Like such an incredible shot. Um, yeah. And I just, I loved like they really did. And, and I know we got a few Godzilla sequences before, but they did it justice. They like did not skimp out in any way. It was just a massive Godzilla sequence. And then we're also getting shots from like an old timey camera and stuff. And it was just, that looked super cool. Oh, it was so cool to see this. Like, I I couldn't 
I, I couldn't get over how awesome of a sequence this was. It, yeah, it's honestly been really cool seeing it sort of embracing that heritage and really coming back to that point that spawned so much of this, right? Because we know that the USS Lawton has been one of the points that spawned this. That's what got Rander interested in it. And then this test has been the thing that's always been referenced in anything else. So actually getting it to play out on screen is so cool. And what, one thing I did really like as well is that they actually went back to the original asset for the 2014 Godzilla from this. Um, so we got to see the original version before it then changed in King of the Monsters and subsequent films, before which I think got, is like even cool. bigger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's just such a cool piece of continuity as well for them to actually go. Do you know what? This is the period of time we're uh, looking at. So we're going to adjust it accordingly. It's just, yeah, it's so yeah, cool. It's... And it's, it's, a, it's a really good way of bringing Godzilla into the show without the show revolving around him. Um, which I think is really important because I think if this show, show revolved around Godzilla or it revolved around Kong, then it would have failed because it would have been more of the same. Uh, but they've been really smart in doing this in a way which makes it feel connected to the films, but also its own separate story, which has been cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to go back and watch that sequence again because mm -hmm. that was just like, oh, my God incredible but we we go back in into the current timeline and uh Ooh. they're they're discussing some files I, I i wrote down here that like they mentioned some yukon yeti sightings and i was like yo yeah. let's get let's get more <laughs> like you know ground level <laughs> monsters out there that would be so cool um to, you know, open this world up even more around in a costume <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I love that kind of stuff. Even in, in episode uh, two, Bill Rand is just like, I am a cryptozoologist, you know, just tracking down some stories and stuff. So that's how it starts. Yeah. You know, it's it's cool that it started at this ground level kind of thing. But um, but yeah, so that was cool. And then we we um, go back in time again. It, again, like I said, we were just blazing back and forth all over the place. And um, they the military is like. Yeah, you can have a blank check. Like it's all good. And and what I liked about this moment was that like they have they've agreed to these terms that like you know they'll give us everything we need and and even more than we ever wanted. Um, and but we got to make sure that doesn't happen again. What just happened with yeah. Godzilla? You know, like we we can't have that happen again. And of course, we didn't really get to see the fallout from that situation. We did kind of skip forward from the beach to. Yeah um inside this hangar so like keiko at one point was like looking back towards the explosion and said something like what have we done or what you know something like that and i i just wish i i could see what she saw in that moment like was godzilla i i just assume like just keeled over on the ground or something and then later swam yeah. away but like um i want to see that moment but uh but instead we're in this hangar and and i like that like they imply that hey uh I I got to report back to my superiors and and I got to tell them what I know and 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 they're just, they've they've come to this agreement that like well me and Keiko don't need to tell you everything we know you know so like yeah. he's like all right well I'll report what I know as long as I don't know everything yeah. we're good we're cool you know <laughs> they don't need to know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> So I thought that was fun, and that that it's like kind that of... one person who wants to be the cool manager, isn't it? Like I only know <laughs> what you tell me. 
<laughs> yeah, so I thought that was cool. And it kind of like it it um alludes to like we were saying before that there's gonna be these like divergent paths in what monarch yeah. becomes, I think. You know, like there's the military version and then there's the scientific uh aspect that like yeah. they're pursuing. And uh I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and, and what they will reveal, what they won't reveal. Um yeah, so I thought that was cool. But we, uh, again, skip ahead to the current timeline. We're flying across Alaska, and there's a massive storm in the air all of a sudden. It's probably all due to some monstery kind of thing, right? Um, and then they crash land uh, conveniently right next to where <laughs> where the other airplane crash landed. And, um, and they come across this dead body that's in this airplane and uh there's they also find a tent with some gear and then they see that there was splash marks all over this airplane so it wasn't really a crash that they were actually landed perfectly fine and then there was a lot of other stuff that happened and uh and yeah we get a massive freezy monster kind of thing yeah. that was absolutely wild i thought that was so cool it was very cool you've just um completely destroyed my theory because i didn't realize it was alaska i thought they said antarctica so don't worry about my theory i'll, I'll still talk about it but it probably doesn't apply they now. did they did um, say alaska right because i was even wondering because in... yeah because they make a joke about being back in the u.s i'm sure they said it was in the yukon and 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 all that right so um yeah. and I think I know where you're going with that theory because I had the same theory. I thought it was going to be Antarctica and it was going to be, this is, this is where they uncover Ghidorah. Like that, that would have been so cool. Uh, yeah. That, you know, but they, that's not really what happened there. But, um, but yeah, I thought it was, it was pretty interesting that this monster and it had a very familiar design. I felt like it was from like out of, um, like horizon zero dawn or something just not some mm. mechanical monster it was like it was wild like such a cool uh it had like um what do you call it like it looked like this like it kind of had like this this kind of face on it like the uh yeah. demogorgon like it was just like some wild like flowery looking face with tentacles and the fr the freeze uh power that this thing yeah. like injects it just like throws out this freeze power and like it literally froze that poor uh friend of theirs like in the airplane what a yeah. you know sight to see what that was wild right? so well, and then it just it leaves us question. right there <laughs> yeah there's an interesting question around that isn't there because the people who were in the lawton weren't there some of them who were frozen uh yeah i don't know i mean they were definitely like uh like just like you know frozen yeah. in time i don't know if they were frozen frozen but they I'm gonna, um i'll have to go back and watch it later because if they are frozen that's quite an interesting well thing to compare that ship had like gook like all over it and yeah. maybe it was something like that that Somebody kind of because with that ship and and there was a line even in that episode where they're like, when did this happen? And like, yeah. it's like they've been they've been stuck like this this whole time. Like they would have been decomposed and all that, but they weren't. They were just like kind of frozen in time like that. So yeah, there is something going on there. But yeah. I, I cannot wait to see what in the world happens. And I hate it when they end these episodes this yeah. way. But they're gonna keep doing this this every week. And and I I'm I'm hoping it doesn't 
necessarily become a monster of the week kind of thing, but yeah. I, I also don't know that I would have a problem with that, but I just hope that's, you know, not the case all the time, but Hey, if it is, that's kind of cool too. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah. I think it's, it's either way, isn't it? I think that the thing is really interesting to me and I am going to have to go back and watch this to make sure it is Alaska because obviously their dad was there at one point in time and he's not there anymore. I think it's fair to assume that he's not being killed by the creature because it's left the body of the person who was in the plane. So clearly something, he, he's like gone somewhere. And where can you go in that kind of environment unless somebody comes to get you? So either Monarch have got him and he's somewhere else now, and for whatever reason they've told his family that he's dead, which leans more into that idea of there being this darker side of Monarch that's potentially at play here, or he's gone somewhere else entirely. And that's where I kind of get quite excited because obviously in Antarctica, we did have Outpost 32, which was where Ghidorah was found, like you rightly identify, but also not too far from Outpost 32 was the facility where there was the portal into the Hollow Earth. Um, so obviously that was in an environment where it's cold, it's Arctic, it's like permafrost, etc. I'm quite curious as to whether there's any correlation in terms of if this is Alaska, if there's anything similar there, because we know that the Hollow Earth is a relatively new concept to the mul to the monsterverse, almost a multiverse. We're not talking about Marvel, um, <laughs> and it's something that I think they will want to build on, especially in the newer films, considering that's now where Kong's gone. Um, so it would make sense if they had a facility already established in Antarctica that clearly they knew about the Hollow Earth before Godzilla versus Kong whether they had sent any other expeditions into it or not. I think there's there's some references about feeling sick when you go into it, actually, in that film. So clearly somebody has done it before. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if that is potentially what we're building up to, because when somebody disappears entirely from the face of the Earth, what place in this universe is better to disappear into than the Hollow Earth? That would be crazy. I don't know. How, how would he... How to get down there? <laughs> a it's, long it's, rope. Oh, it's, it's a good. I guess so. Yeah, he could just, I'm, I'm he could gonna, just transport, right? Like he could just kind of. Let's let's hold up. Let's let's do something here for a second. Let's let's do a little. And, and I did look it up while you were talking. They, there's a sequence while they're in the plane and they're like looking up coordinates and they say, um, you could pinpoint this flight that the, that he was on to, uh, something to. Barrow, some from Nome to Barrow. So I looked it up. Barrow yes. is in Alaska. So, um, okay. that so that is useful. Because... See, that's what happens when an episode airs early and it literally just came out, and, and we're trying to figure this all out on the fly. <laughs> yeah. Where's Barrow? I'm just taking what I'm doing at the moment is looking at the. Um... I'm looking at the Monarch Outposts map. Ooh. Yeah, and what I what I've always loved about this universe is is how like they give you the kind of like information like this and and like yeah. show you where, how all these things relate and and yes, it's mysterious, but it's like it's pretty cool how they like 
reveal all this stuff, give you these images. That's so cool that they're they're able to do that kind of stuff, and it feels real, you know. There is an outpost in northern Canada. Well, maybe maybe that's near Alaska enough. Could be. I can't even find Alaska on the map, which says a lot about my geography skills. <laughs> it's uh, if you look at a map, it's in the middle of the ocean. I'm pretty sure that's where it is, kind of near Hawaii. That's what the map shows, I think. So, <laughs> oh. wow. No, I I've had people say that to me that they actually, you know, because if you look at like a map of the U.S., it just kind of disconnects Hawaii and uh, Alaska to be its like own kind of piece of the map and it doesn't connect it to any other continents so like i've had people say like oh i didn't know that they were connected before and i'm like what are you talking about or not 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 hawaii obviously but like uh, alaska like yikes okay so i'm just really curious in terms of looking through this map now as to what other outposts there are and where they are because i did i've literally not even thought about this until we were recording but actually could they not potentially visit some of these outposts during the course of this show as well? Oh, well, I mean, obviously, like they, they established in this episode that like, uh, yeah, we, we asked for like a little bit of money that we could have like some outposts and things. But like so we could do our studying and our research and they're like, well, you didn't ask for enough. So there's going to be a lot of outposts like oh. all over the place, a lot of people to help. Like it's going to be interesting to see how this how this all pans out, how quickly it pans out and like what, what each outpost maybe turns into. I think that could be cool. There is North of Honolulu and outpost 75, which contains Titanosaurus. Ooh. Just clutching at straws, Brad. Clutching well, you straws. know that, that I think that's enough. I'll, I'll do my research in my own time. <laughs> <laughs> it brings it brings us to the end because that was the end of that episode, you know, freezing us in time for another week. Uh, I think what would they say the uh, next episode is? Um, oh, didn't they say like December something? Oh, it says it. Uh, it says it on the Apple page. It says the next episode is. Oh, you December first for like five minutes, but it's all good. What's that? <laughs> I was just sat like this. Oh, I didn't. I was looking at my screen. Uh, the <laughs> next episode is December 1st. So, yeah, it is next week, but it feels like a lifetime away. Um, yeah. And and technically, all of these episodes, for some reason, Apple Plus does this, where, like, it'll say it's coming out on December 1st, but it actually comes out the day before at 9 p.m. So keep your eyes peeled. It'll probably be out, I guess, on uh, whatever whatever the end of the month is uh yeah. november 30th um so yeah keep your eyes peeled and we'll be back probably with more coverage uh then with, I'm, I'm i'm assuming a shorter episode because this time we had to cover three right off the bat we didn't get to cover the first two uh as quickly but it's all right we'll we'll uh we'll get to episode four and hopefully you enjoy this coverage hopefully this has been fun to watch yeah. uh a little different and and i think it like it it shows us you know, as Jurassic fans, what we could have. And, and I, I, it just makes me sad. It just makes me sad because like, I want universal to care as much about this property as like legendary, you know, does. And, 
and um and apple like I, hey if we want to get a jurassic show on apple like let's just spread this all around like we don't yeah. need to go to peacock like we can just go to apple let's do that because they know what they're doing over there they're, they're going to spend some legit money and make it look beautiful they're not going to compromise it's not going to look cheap it's going to look good and i i uh i think jurassic needs something tangible Jurassic could yeah. be something like this with the spy thriller aspect with the monsters with, you know, or dinosaurs, but like uncovering these things, you know, as we traverse different things and even maybe different time periods. Like I don't want it to follow the exact same format of the show, but I think it could. And, you know, it could be interesting to see different time periods or, um, or even just play it in the past. I think this show gives us the opportunity to say finally that like it is possible, you know? Yeah, I have an idea to pitch to you after this show. Um, I got one too, man. <laughs> in, in terms of Universal not not doing what they could with the franchise, all I have to say is that that's chaos theory. <laughs> Whoa! All right. Well, uh, please go follow us all over the place. Uh, JurassicParkPodcast.com. You can find. Um, everything over there on our website we also do uh have a podcast not just this youtube uh video series but we are all over there spotify apple podcasts audible um amazon music all that good stuff we are on social media uh threads instagram tiktok we're on facebook um and uh please you can find me uh wait wait where was i i was uh, was on this one no that's the wrong one but it's all right we're back to jurassic uh you can find me uh at brad m jost i think on threads i'm on um i never really promote it but like i'm I'm on letterboxd i love like reviewing and taking a look at movies seeing how many i can watch and like check out those stats on letterboxd um and i've been doing a lot of like personal tiktoks and stuff you can find me brad jost on tiktok and youtube uh posting all kinds of stuff so please keep an eye out uh share it around let me know that you're watching agent aaron buyer uh <laughs> your name changed when we changed the screen <laughs> oh wait, wait here go go back to the other one boom there we go agent t uh where can we find you <laughs> that's classified Oh, okay. Agent T cannot be found on the web. You got to go to the ocean, pull out a bag, find some <laughs> tape in there, throw it in some old technology. Uh, you know, encode, it's all encoded, so you got to uncover it, but you got to watch out because Monarch will be on your tail. All right. That's it. That's all you're going to give the people, huh? You can't that's find it. <laughs> all right. Well, uh thank you all for watching we'll see you next time with another installment of monarch legacy of monsters coverage and uh check out the podcast bye everybody he's frozen in time i think he got the monster got him the monster got him bye. <laughs>